Hello, thank you for tuning in to The Right Life. I'm sorry I didn't post a podcast last week. I was returning from two weeks in Germany and a 21-hour travel trip home in addition to being really ill. I actually had to go on to antibiotics. I am 100% better now, but I was laying in bed thinking... Should I record a podcast? I need to be consistent. I must be perfect. I must be true to my word that I will be there, post a podcast every Wednesday. And then I was like, fuck it. (laughs) I was just like, I don't feel good. The best thing I can do is to get better so I can show up next week and do a podcast from a place of health, which I am happy to say I am now feeling so much better and now that it's about a week that I have been back home I feel integrated back into my life again but so I am gonna read a poem that is in my second poetry book longing for the deep end and this poem is called the great cosmic joke here's hoping heaven is not a materialistic society Is it okay to actually have the audacity to think it's a valid vocation to be a poet in this world of diamond-encrusted braces and 14-karat gold nail polish? I write at a broken-down 1950s school desk. The answering machine is barking bill collectors, and people tell me I need a real job. Am I a punchline at parties? Is there a place in heaven for those of us who write to make the world a better place? I just hope that the great cosmic joke will not be on us. I hope that once I get to heaven, if there is one, that God will not be charging admission or request to see my tax returns to prove I have made enough money to come in. So the reason I chose that poem is because I've been, after spending two weeks in Germany, just really stripped down and away from my normal day-to-day. And we were in Wiesbaden, Germany, which is not a tourist town, so it was very like, we just kind of got, you know, enraptured and ensconced in the local culture and... Uh, my beau has some friends that live there so we really I mean we took days off if we needed to just chill like it wasn't like the rush 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 go 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 see every little thing kind of vacation that we tend to cram everything in in these two weeks because that's all the time we get so I was able to really get out of the hustle that I'm in the day-to-day and you know, the last poem that I read was about masks and I was able to like put down the mask that I wear as a mother because my child was doing his own thing. He's just turned 17, so he's moving into his own spaces and has his own friends. Um, I put down the mask of being a, a daughter. I put down the mask of being a community organizer. I put down a lot of these kinds of um roles that I play regularly and I got really quiet and was able to just kind of be in Maureen world for two straight weeks and I was really blown away number one how stressed I have been probably for a very long time possibly for most of my life 
And I also was aware of like how much that stress tended to um, express itself through consumption, whether it was emotionally eating, which I don't have a horrible problem with, but it, it still is uh, something that uh, rears its head up maybe once or twice a week. Um, consumption, maybe buying things I don't necessarily need. Uh, consumption through social media, consumption in um, maybe some relationship dynamics that don't necessarily work for me, uh, just general consumption of stress, uh, the noise. I mean, it's very loud in our country, in, a, in the States, very loud. And um, it was really cool to be in a culture where, I, number one, I didn't speak the language. So I realized how much I, because I'm such a word person, I would over, I would take in information just from conversations around me and the energy, like the feelings or the vibes based on the tone of voice of the person as an empath, that's uh, something that we do. So the fact that I didn't know what was being said around me was a way of like kind of shutting out a lot of noise. No one in the town that we were staying in, I guess it was a city, you could say. It's about the same size of my city, St. Petersburg. No one was on their cell phones. No one was talking to their cell phones. Everyone was kind of talking in a very kind of calm voice. There wasn't like, and it didn't feel obnoxious anywhere. It didn't feel like I had to worry about getting run over by a big truck or, you know, it was I wasn't in traffic a lot. Like there's a lot of noise that is in the day to day of living in the United States or you could say any big city, but specifically for me, it was really resonating living in the United States and even like what's going on in the state of Florida right now with our government and book banning and um, the rights being stripped away and on and on and on. It was just so much noise and stress and pressure that was kind of released naturally. Like I wasn't like, I'm going to go on this vacation and do these things. It was just naturally by being in a space that was quieter that I really realized like how much I was carrying. So back to the poem, um, being a poet is... I've often said at one point I was a poet and a mother, the two what I consider most valuable things to do as a person, but the least valued in society. And I was thinking about like how much we think that life has to be about quantity and not so much about quality. And that the more that we fill our days up with things and conversations and events and stuff, that somehow it'll fill in this kind of void that we feel as opposed to like looking at actually the quality of our experiences and interactions and what we bring to the world. So I came back with this kind of renewed um, focus point of just being really aware of the quality of life and savoring every meal and trying to eat cleaner and live cleaner and uh you know if you think about what that means to live cleaner it's not necessarily related to the environment but it's just like what kind of footprint 
am I putting out into the world? Is it is it a footprint of an integrity? Is it a is it a footprint of conscientiousness? Is it a footprint of um, actual focus? It's not just like manic energy. It's actually like intentional. So uh, I think that being a poet in a materialistic world, it's I've, I'm primed to already kind of live this life. It's, and I started like looking at the bigger picture of my life. Like, why don't I just start applying everything to like what it's like waiting for a poem? I might get an idea for a poem. And for me personally, my writing process is I, I kind of maybe will get the first line or I'll get kind of an image I want to capture. And uh, there's a process of getting some of the words down on the paper, but the poem might not be finished. Or there might be other components to the poem that I need to live that I haven't lived yet or I need to remember but there is this space of like waiting and allowing for that information to come in so that kind of comes back to living a life of quality not necessarily quantity because if you're if for me personally living a life of quantity is kind of grasping and um, really working to control my narrative and I'm gonna buy this and this is gonna make me feel this way or or I'm gonna consume this and this is gonna make me feel this way instead of saying okay how do I want to feel and then kind of holding space for how I want to feel and then kind of staying open to allowing life to show me what I need to do to feel that way instead of immediately like, well, I'm going to buy my way into this feeling or I'm going to eat my way into this feeling or I'm going to, you know, push myself into this social situation to feel this. And I'm not saying you're just sitting passively around and not like making an act, being active in your life. I'm just talking about kind of waiting for the poetry, waiting for the poem to come. But we do live in such a consumeristic society where if it's not about being, it's about what you do. And if you're not showing the results of your actions, you it's almost like you have to prove that you deserve to be on earth. <laughs> you deserve to take up space. And that is, um, you know, we're cogs in a wheel. We're part of a great machine. If you're not pulling your weight, what what is your purpose and what is your point? And I think that can get so exhausting. It's why a lot of people are just checking out. Like they're checking out whether through social media, like scrolling, doom scrolling they call it, whether they're checking out through like watching too much television, they're checking out through um, alcohol and substance abuse, they're checking out even like literally checking out. Suicide rates are through the roof. Um, they're, they're checking out in their relationships, like they're not fully present. Um, there's just infinite ways. I, I went through a long period of time that the way I checked out was by ferociously reading. I mean, I had an addiction to reading. I would just line books up and go in, into books and just disappear that way. So um, I think that that is because we are in such a consumeristic con culture that you need to constantly be consuming, 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 but that doesn't feel good. There's seasons for rest there's seasons like if you think about the natural cycles there's times when we're we need to go dormant there's times when we need to be quiet there's times when we need to be receiving and there's times when we need to be active and there's times when we need to be out in the world and and really engaged 
And um, I think that if we're constantly creating this culture where we have to be always on the go and always extroverted and always uh, not tilling the soil, if you will, um, we're not planting seeds. We're actually just um, think about even our farming culture where it's just like we're genetically modifying seeds to produce all the time. And then the soil is constantly getting tilled up so much that it's becoming useless because topsoil needs that time for the worms to come in and for the water to seep in it and then the nutrients to come in. And then if you have plants that break down into the nutrients, it adds a richer topsoil and richer topsoil. So there is that need for that quiet time and for that season. So when I came back from the trip, it's interesting that I got sick right out of the gate, like literally out of the gate of the airport and out of the gate of our trip. And I was in bed for several days. I tried to cure what was wrong with me naturally. I always try to do that first, but then it got to a point where I'm like, I got pushed. I think I could have done that if I had just rested all week, but because we had 21 hours of travel um, on the way home and I'm not a good flyer. I love to travel, but I am not a good flyer. One of life's great quandaries for me. Um, I actually landed in the airport and got a migraine right away. So it was that stressful of a trip for me. And then on top of being sick, my body just went into like shut down mode and I had to get on antibiotics. So, uh, I'm always about the, uh, herbal root, the natural root, but if it's the need for Western medicine comes in, I will always um, take it. And I listened to my intuition on that. I was like, no, I need, I need a little more than what what's happening. I'm not getting better. But I, I, I actually am grateful that I came home and was really not feeling well because I, I didn't just jump right into the normal. I didn't just jump right back into my life here. I had time to be introspective and quiet and process and kind of think about my trip and what I learned and what I wanted to bring back into my life now. And so I've really started to like consciously bring my attention and awareness back to the quality of life. When I'm doing the dishes, I'm grateful for the, that I have running water. <laughs> I'm grateful that I have enough enough dish detergent to clean my dishes. I'm grateful that I'm eating on pottery that I actually pottery dishes that I actually threw in a past life when I was a a potter for a long time in my early 20s in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm grateful that I have food in the refrigerator. I'm grateful that it's summertime, believe it or not. It's so hot out in Florida right now. Like they always say it's hot in Florida, but it's exceptionally hot like we're in the 90s in the beginning of June and usually that's not till later in the summer and I'm just hibernating in my cave and I'm actually glad for the quiet time I'm glad that I don't have school runs I normally have to take my kid to school every day at you know be up at 6 a.m. and then pick him up every day at 2 a.m. in the middle of the day and it's nice to just like chill and he's in the house with me he's doing his thing too but just to have that kind of the a more um, introspective rhythm is what I would say uh, I'm not so tied to the clock and it's nice to have those kinds of seasons when you um, I am fortunate that I can work from home so I can set my own schedule but that that poem that I wrote 
about being a poet. It was really about being in this space where I was looking at what society has set up for us. And, you know, um, Bella Fleck and the Flecktones have a song that say, why do we have to pay rent to live on earth? <laughs> why do we? It is really unfortunate. Some people are blessed and can live rent free, but the majority of us have to pay rent to live on earth. So when I realized when I was 28 years old that I was a poet, it was like a lightning strike of inspiration after about six months of like deep existential crisis in my late 20s. Uh, if you're familiar with astrology, I was going through my Saturn returns and I had basically accomplished everything I want. I had, was newly married to my high school sweetheart. We had manifested our dream house. I had just graduated from pottery school and a dear friend lived across the street. She's the one that helped us to get the house we were in. She had built a gas kiln. She said I could have access, full access to her studio and I was like free of, free of all the schooling that I felt I need to do at the time and I wasn't happy. Like I was like, I don't wanna do this. I don't understand color. I don't wanna be a potter. I'm just create, generating more and more um, stuff on the earth. I, I used to unload a kiln worth of pottery and it would take up my entire living room and I had to price it all and then box it all and then find space for it and it was just like as somebody that has been an environmentalist with the exception of my hot baths every night that is my great weakness um I don't I didn't I didn't want to add more to the earth I didn't want to add more stuff and um then I realized uh, it was um, March 2003. I was 28 years old and I got a poem one day and I just knew that I was meant to be a poem poet since then. And here we are 20 years later, literally 20 years later, and I'm still at it. And um, I was talking to somebody recently and they were talking about like the low percentage of people that make money, uh, make a living as a writer. And I thought about it, um, you know, yes, those are sobering statistics, but then I also realized, like, what a rich life I've lived because of a writer. Like, my nonprofit, Keep St. Pete Lit, grew out of my poetry career. Um, now this podcast, I have a column that I write monthly that's kind of grown out of my poetry career. I've done a lot of public speaking around it. Uh, I know that we've helped lots of kids start their poetry career. We've gotten books out to a lot of kids. Um, I've had a wonderful 10-year journey with Keep St. Pete Lit. We, we turned 10, our 10th anniversary is this is in August. I've met like so many people that I never would have known if it hadn't been through poetry. Some of my best friends in the entire world, like we're moving into almost a decade of friendship came out of that organization and came out of going to open mics. So that is quality right there. That, that, those are quality experiences. Um, yes, fortunately, my nonprofit has created uh, the ability for me to pay my bills. It hasn't necessarily been through poetry directly, but poetry led to my nonprofit. So I think that when we start to think about like what the value of things really is, it doesn't always necessarily translate to a dollar amount. And we can get so caught up in 
that materialistic um, song, you could say, you know, like that our entire culture is singing along to, that we think that that's the only rhythm and the only the only music and the only genre we can listen to. So it's not. There's a lot more other genres of music that we can listen to and other ways that we can tune um, our station to, to, to get really <laughs> philosophical. But even like, think about what's going on on our planet Earth right now with, we have, we're having extreme weather. Like, uh, there's so many things that are going on that are a result of our need to consume more than we actually need. So looking at a life um, that is about uh, quality rather than quantity is, is being a good steward. It's being a good person as far as I'm concerned. It's being a good parent. It's being a good community member. I mean, I want to leave a good world for my child. I don't want to just take up so much space and consume so many things that my child is left with nothing, you know? So these are the thoughts that kind of um, are really resonating with me right now and, and, you know, and the hope that that's what the poem ends with, like, here's hoping heaven, if there is one, is not, you know, gonna ask to see my tax returns when I come in. Is, is the amount of money you bring in really um, equate with whether you're a good person or not? No, no. Yes, you do need to pay your bills. You know, you don't have to. I mean, I know somebody that has been living in a tent for seven years, and as far as I know, he's perfectly happy. Um, but you can live a life totally off the grid. You can live a life however you want. But, you know, some of us live in the city. Some of us have the quote-unquote pretty standard, um, you know, payments. you got your house payment. You have your electricity, you've got your food payment. These are things that are not impossible to escape, but for the vast majority of us, they are a reality. So if there's a way that you can find a balance and kind of figure out what your sweet spot is. I, I read something somewhere that making more than $65,000 a year doesn't make you any happier, <laughs> you know? For some people, $65,000 is a lot of money. When I first started out as an artist, that was an insane amount of money. But, you know, the standard of living's going up. It's it's tricky. I, I just read a fact that you have to make at least eighty-seven dollars to $100,000 a year to live in the Tampa Bay area right now. Um, I think that means people that are just moving here. So it was like, whoa. It's just sobering statistics, success, especially for those of us in the creative community. But maybe some of what I've said today resonates with you. Um, I always think of the summertime, at least for us here in Florida, as like a time to like shed, kind of get really simple. Like my eating habits get lighter. Um, I, you wanna wear as little clothing as possible, like kind of the shedding of, of all the, the weight that I've carried in the year. And then with the summer solstice, which is coming up, on the 22nd of this month. Um, that's also a rebirth time for me too, of kind of shedding and kind of looking at, you know, what do I, how do I want the next year to look? How do I want my life to look? And, and more often than not, it's I want to experience a life of quality and really kind of get in check the quantity. And 
And I also want to stress one more thing that doesn't mean I had to be careful that I didn't get into a scarcity mindset where I wanted to like cut everything back so I didn't feel that, you know, to an extreme way that I couldn't just like be in my power. I couldn't be in my passion. I couldn't be in my pleasure. That's the word I'm looking for. I couldn't be in my pleasure. So there's a dance there between quality and quantity where you still want to honor your pleasure. And I don't mean that in an unhealthy way. Pleasure to me is, you know, savoring good food and good conversation and good books and seeing art and travel and having time for introspection, having time for creativity, having time for rest having time for sex, <laughs> you know, like let's just throw it all out there, right? That is to me also part of the quality. Just because I'm not wanting to live a life of quantity doesn't mean that I don't have all of these wonderful things that bring me pleasure too. Because you, I don't want to get into that mindset where I'm restricting myself so much that it's like this life that doesn't have any juiciness because I sure shit don't want to live a life that's not juicy. So on that note, I am sending you so much love this week. And I hope that you can kind of look over your life if you choose to, of course, and look at how you can have more quality and not have to be so focused towards the quantity. And I also wish you all the good things. And please be you. It's a good look on you. And I'll see you next week.